set. Recording in progress. <laughs> Metal Mickey. Oh, I used to love Metal Mickey. <laughs> I don't know. That's showing our age a little bit, actually, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> how, how are you doing on this fine Sunday, late Good. afternoon, early evening? N- not too bad. I have been fed, <laughs> so I'm full to the brim and ready to go. Red rock and roll. I had a uh, I had a Sunday roast for one. Don't often do that. Ah, that's cool. I, I, I still cooked a whole bird because it's, <laughs> it's all I had. So. so you're gonna be eating that for the next week. Well, I have already put like my a Sunday. I'll be having a Sunday lunch for Monday lunchtime at work, which is quite cool. Is it chicken? It bird, is chicken. Presumably, yeah, it normally is. Thinking, what other bird chicken. it would be? <laughs> but a game? No, it's yeah. chicken. <laughs> uh, dear. Right. So, should we talk about the films we've seen? There are two that I've seen. Yeah, go on, go for it. Okay, so one of them I was quite excited about because I really enjoyed it. It's a film called Air, which is the Ben Affleck-directed film co-written with Affleck and Matt Damon. Damon starring as the Nike shoe salesman who's trying to broker the deal to sign Michael Jordan, who at the time was a rookie basketball player. And, you know, they're competing against the two giants of the basketball shoemaking world at that time, which is Converse and Adidas. It's a bit of a boys clubby movie, I have to say. It would probably just down to maybe the way the corporate marketing world maybe was back then, because you've got a small marketing team, you've got like a head of sales and marketing played by Jason Bateman. And then you've got Ben Affleck as Phil Knight, who's like the co-founder of Nike, who's this kind of eccentric guy. Matt Damon, you've got Chris Tucker, and then you've got Viola Davis, who plays Michael Jordan's wife. If you like films like Big Short or Moneyball, then you'll love this. It's just oozing with charm and great cast. Like I say, you probably do need to have an interest inevitably in sports and Nike and maybe basketball, what have you. But very, very enjoyable film because there's lots of 80s nostalgia in it as well with the music right. and the pop culture references and, you know, what they're wearing and all this kind of stuff. And it's the first time Damon and Affleck have been in a film together since Google Hunting. So that was really cool. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and the other film, which was a Amazon Prime release called Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, which stars Jason Statham and Hugh Grant, which is Guy Ritchie's latest gangster stroke globe-trotting spy uh, adventure. It's a busy year for, for Hugh Grant, isn't it, really? Hugh Grant, he just seems to love... He just seems to be taking these roles where he's just chewing up the scenery, putting on daft accents and just <laughs> having a damn good time. But what was interesting, I saw The Gentleman, which I think is on one of the streaming platforms, may even be on Netflix, only a few weeks before this. And the bizarre thing is, in The Gentleman, which also has Hugh Grant playing a dodgy Cockney journalist... <laughs> He pretty much has exactly the same accent in this role, playing a Cockney who's this billionaire broker guy. So all I could think about was how can you just put on exactly the same accent? I I just almost felt it was so kind of almost fraudulent that two films so close together, directed by the same guy that has Hugh Grant in playing a very similar role, and Mm. Hugh Grant not even making much effort to change the accent. Uh, so basically, it was a blow-par Guy Ritchie film. 
gentleman was way better and that's still not a patch and obviously is bigger better stuff i think the last decent film i saw that he did was probably man from uncle all right okay but he has got a film coming out soon with henry cavill again so reuniting with him which i think is some biographical survival tale i think so those are the two films i've seen cool what about you I've seen a couple of bits and pieces um, sort of wrapped around my trip to Bonnie, Scotland. A nice trip up in Edinburgh and Aberdeen and uh, saw some family and also did a Harry Potter tour as well because there's a lot of influences there in Edinburgh uh, for J.K. Rowling picked up. So, so yeah, enjoyed that. And I've watched Tetris. That's on Apple TV+. Plus. Got Taron Egerton and Toby Jones starring in this. I ne- To be honest, I never knew that this game could cause so much trouble um, and political uproar with the Russians businessman Hank Rogers who was trying to do business with Nintendo. And then there's Robert Maxwell and his son fighting over international licensing rights. And whether it was played also, which I never knew that existed as well, whether they play it on the arcade PC or handheld game as well. And it's it's completely bonkers. And I like the extra little gaming animations that they added to the movie. Uh, have you seen it at all? Uh, I haven't. When uh, I first saw it's it, good. I... It's worth a look, definitely. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure when I first saw it whether it was a TV series or whether it was a film. Does it tell the story of how the whole game came about then? effectively uh, yes it does yeah, and it yeah. comes to the russians somebody that was into coding and i uh, was tinkering around with it and then uh hank rogers was a was a coder and trying developing games as well and he sort of cottoned on to what this guy was doing and yeah they, they had a partnership really but the government were after them all the time so so yeah anyway and then you got the super mario brothers movie which i watched with my 11 year old and he absolutely loved it i we found it okay. Uh, it sticks very much to the Super Mario games, including Mario Kart. And you can see the characters in the power-up boxes, Bowser's Castle, Rainbow Road included as props and scenes. And, and the plumbing Mario Brothers help Princess Peaches and Toad with saving their land and the rest of the world from a threatening Bowser. So that's what <laughs> that's what it was all about. And then I've also watched um, Karen and watching Ted Lasso Series 3 on Apple TV+. And I've been hooked on Rise and Fall with Greg James on channel four and then the power i started watching which is an amazon prime with tony collette and john liguizamo it's where teenage girls around the world develop the power of electricity from their fingertips and become a force to be reckoned with so uh so that's one to watch as well but um yeah i mean the rest of the time i've been away really you've been away too haven't you yeah i had a nice little break up in the lake district which was very nice it was only only a short three-day trip, um, which was good. One of the party tore some ligaments in their ankle. We had mountain rescue out, which was an experience wow. I will I will never forget. Hopefully won't have to call mountain rescue out ever again. And thankfully, as I say, it was a turned ankle and nothing life-threatening. But honestly, it kind of is one of those experiences that restores any doubt or faith you've got in humanity when you see all these volunteers coming to help. And uh, they were amazing. So in actual fact, when I think of the Lake District this year, because it's something that I go to every single year with friends and family, that's all I'm going to think about. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope, hope it never happens again for you absolutely, anyway. Absolutely. And I hope they're on a ha- making a speedy recovery as well. So the, the quiz today. Ooh, yes, yes. It's your turn, is, isn't it? It is my turn. And it's based on the actors that star in The Lord of the Rings. Okay. Right. Here we go. Question number one. Kate Blanchett, Galadriel, was up for a best performance by an actress in a leading role at this year's Oscar. 
but for which film? It was called Tar, T-A-R. Very good. Yes. So, uh, and she's won two Oscars before. She didn't get it, but she won two Oscars before for Blue Jasmine, Best Actress, and The Aviator, Best Supporting Actress as well. So I didn't realise uh, she won so many. Question two. Sean Bean, Boromir, was the main star in Game of Thrones when it was launching. How many seasons did he play in? One. Very good. Out of all the eight seasons that it had, he lasted only nine episodes. That's right. The first series. That was that was like that was the biggest Uh, first time I'd ever watched a TV series that had one of those. Oh my god! How 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 can? (laughs) Oh my god! How can they do that? Oh my god! I know exactly, exactly. And then you saw the TV shows doing that. Yeah, everyone everyone picks up on it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, then question three, the lovable Sean Austin, who was Samwise Gamgee in, in Lord of the Rings, hit our screens in 1985 as kid brother to handsome Josh Brolin's character, Brand. Sean's character was called Mikey. Can you name the film? The Goonies. Very good. You're doing well. Question four, Vigo Mortensen, who played Aragon. Last film was opposite Colin Farrell, where he was a scuba diver in Thailand. Can you name the film? 13. 13. Hours? No. Oh, no. Hang on. Hang on. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know. Was it called 13 something? 13 Lives. Oh, I wouldn't know. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. It's fine. You play oh, close. okay. That's very cool. Next, last one. You do. Okay. Have you got Have you got most of these right? Well, yeah, you have. Liv so. Tyler, who was Arwen. Apparently, also that Arwen was a made-up character in this film. Anyway, she is the love interest of Ben Affleck's character in which blockbuster in 1998? And her dad was sang one of the songs in the film. Oh, Ben Affleck films. Oh, my God. I don't know. Gone Girl. I mean, I don't, I'm just trying to think of Ben Affleck films with a dad that sings and a, and a love interest. And I'm not Bruce Willis was in it. Bruce Willis was in it as her dad into oil rigging. Put me out of my misery because I'm not going to get Armageddon. it. Armageddon. Armageddon. Oh, I've got that man. Steven Tyler song in my head now. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he was in like big, big films back then. Yeah. Oh, anyway, you did very well. Four out of five. Really, really good. Oh, how about that? I'm quite pleased with myself. Give myself a pat on the back there. Seeing as we're on Lord of the Rings, should we crack on with Lord of the Rings? Why not? Okay. Why not? Well, this was my film. Um, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, directed by Peter Jackson. Of course, based on the J.R.R. Tolkien novel and written by Fran Walsh. Philippa Bowens, I believe. And the story starts in the peaceful, lovely world of Middle-earth, where we have a young a young hobbit named Frodo Baggins, played by Elijah Wood. And he inherits a powerful ring from his uncle Bilbo. Unbeknownst to Frodo, the ring holds this evil power, which is sought after by Sauron, who is this this kind of all-seeing evil spirit that has kind of risen again in search for the ring, intent on using it to take over all of Middle-earth, enslave everyone. There's a bit of a journey as to how the ring ends up 
with Bilbo and then Frodo, for a lot of that time, we learn at the beginning, it's held by the creature Gollum. A lot of people will remember Lord of the Rings form. He, he doesn't feature heavily in this, but it's included in when they set the film up and he features a little bit. Uh, you get glimpses of him uh, during the film. So to prevent Sauron from getting the ring, Frodo sets out on a journey with eight other beings. This is the Fellowship, which includes Gandalf, the wizard, played by Ian McKellen. You have the kind of ranger, warrior, Aragorn, played by Viggo Mortensen. We've got Orlando Bloom playing the elf Legolas, who's this, you know, kind of hotshot archer. We've got Gimli the dwarf. And most importantly, we've got three other hobbits from his village that come with him. So we've got Sam, uh, played by Sean Austin, who you mentioned. We've got Merry, played by Dominic Monaghan. And we've got Pippin, played by Billy Boy. So together... They go off on this epic voyage to the only place where they can destroy the ring, because that's the sole goal. It holds this power. Anyone who holds it can very easily be lured into its evil. Frodo, luckily for them, is someone who's identified as, you know, someone who could potentially not be swayed by its evil power. And along the way, we see various temptations from other characters uh, as they basically help Frodo go across all these various different terrains mountain, caves, all these different areas where they fight battles, etc., etc. And as I say, they're all trying to get to Mount Doom, which is the only place where it can be destroyed. And the other thing to note about the film is that it's quite a big ensemble cast. So I didn't mention everyone in there, but there's Christopher Lee is also in there. You've got Kate Blanchett, Liv Tyler, Hugo Weaving. I may have missed others. I can't believe it is... 22 years old this this came out in 2001 it's in my film list because of what you know what that single film meant to me but then obviously the two films came later and i hadn't seen it since then so i was very much curious to see how i was going to take to it after that huge break uh over to you sarah Thank you. Yeah. And I remember this coming out over the Christmas period, sort of back to back, really. Each Christmas, there was something to like a present almost at Christmas time. Yeah, you had this. And it, the first one came out on 19th of December 2001. I was really excited to see this at the cinema because I love J.R.R. Tolkien uh, from a young age. And, it, and it's a real mix of love, hope, laughter, deceit, horror. And dark, bloody battles as well. But what's really strong is the loyalty and friendships of, of the hobbits, especially Frodo and Samwise Gamgee. But you also have Merry and Pippin as well. And then there's a the bond of the, the fellowship themselves, in which you've already listed. Anyway, the special effects are amazing. Uh, scenery was breathtaking and shot mostly in New Zealand. And they created the shy, they even created the shy hobbit houses which um, I've discovered actually when I was looking at, looking them up. You can actually rent these today, but in other countries, people have replicated them and you can rent these on Airbnb. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. So stay in a Hobbit house. And the CG really stands well today. Uh, this film is, you've already mentioned, about 22 years old now. And uh, this is Andy Serkis's first film using the animated motion capture performance for, for Gollum as well, which is then he's gone on to do Rise of the Planet of the Apes and, and other things as well. It cost $93 million to make, 
and well were gross at the box office at the time it was uh 898 million it, it took as well in dollars so it certainly made its money but it also cost a lot to make and actually i'm compare that to, to some of the other big special effects films that you can blockbuster you can see today and what really sells this film is not only the special effects and, and the beauty and, and the great story is the star cast I mean you've already mentioned some of them I mean you've got Sean Austin really this is his second coming really after after the big success he had in the 80s 90s we haven't seen him for a while he'd done a couple of sort of goofy movies but this was his big break again great actors uh, Ian McKellen Ian Holm which I love as well and Christopher Lee even Sean B was having his purple patch at the time and then you got child actor and rising star Elijah Woods before in 1998 he was doing Deep Impact and, and a similar similar movie which you've already mentioned Armageddon Liv Tyler was doing so she was she sort of risen through being a teenage star and was, was, was kind of having almost a little bit of a purple patch as well and then Andy Serkis you know was, was up and coming also but this was Orlando Bloom's first big break movie and he's been very famous after this as well I would say it's one of the most detailed movies I've seen, Twist and Turns, Style of Adventure, Journey, and the best of all time, I think. Um, I think it's also, when you look at Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter, I don't think they come close to the detail and depth of this film. I mean, Harry Potter is very detailed. They've got tours on it. So... <laughs> And I know they have tours in New Zealand for this film, but um, I don't think it's a patch on what detail, special effects, the whole piece, I think, for this film. It won four Oscars, best cinematography, best makeup, which, you know, when you look at the orcs, you look at some of the characters in this film, it's very impressive and it still stands well today, as I said. Won for original score and also original score sometimes reminded me of Back to the Future. There was some elements of, of that coming through. It's like, oh, was a happy moment it's like almost like the back to the future soundtrack came into play and then um best visual effects as well it won an oscar for and totally deserved it i think it was nominated across the board as well a bit like everything everywhere all at once that we saw this year the only thing that lets it down is it's a little bit long. It's just under three hours. You and I are quite, you know, quite like a shorter movie. But I don't know how really they could have cut it down because they're introducing the characters. They're introducing the journey, the adventure, the story and the power of the, of the ring, the precious ring. But uh, I felt it was a bit long on occasions. That's the only thing. Well, the original cut apparently was four hours and 30 minutes. I, I, I must admit when I watched it, I, I didn't have a problem with that, but that might well be because I got, I got engrossed in it very, very quickly. I did watch it in two parts. And when I went to find it on streaming, the first version I saw confused me because it was one of the extended cut versions. So I had a bit of a heart attack because it was like said three hours something. And I thought, hang on, that can't be right. And then I found the, you know, the theatrical version, uh, thank the Lord. It reminded me, actually, when I was watching E.T., I was watching it thinking, when is there going to be something that comes up, whether it's the script, whether it's some special effects that might not have aged particularly well, whether it's one of the characters looking a bit silly in costume or, you know, whether it's... Because I am not familiar with J.R. Tolkien. So it's one of those things when you watch something like this, you have to buy into all of it because you've got elves you've got dwarves you've got humans you've got wizards you've got orcs you know what i mean you you have to buy into it and if something just doesn't seem quite right 
or gets you it can t- it can throw you so i was watching it like that and and never once did it happen like never once did it happen and and as i was watching it i was thinking this is just the of this type of film this is the daddy like there's been so other many other films after this that have taken taken elements i mean we mentioned it briefly in watching dungeons and dragons the kind of aerial landscape Mm. shots and stuff but you know plenty of films have tried to take bits from this why wouldn't they it's an amazing film but and the characters were all great perfect balance of humor there's depth to it i think really importantly there's that darkness you know you, you almost can't help but take it seriously because it there's elements to it that are quite quite disturbing in some ways, and yeah, the actors are amazing, and I, I absolutely loved it, and I was genuinely quite surprised I liked it uh, as much as I did. Even and I remember when I first watched this, this really got me. It's a very very simple thing, but obviously the hobbits are hobbits; they're tiny, and there are so many scenes when they're alongside you know other people who are obviously yep. much larger. And I looked afterwards as to how they how they actually went about doing that because they they use various techniques the obvious one was just playing with perspective and actually having the the smaller person actually literally being three foot back you know trick of the eye but you know apparently in the pub that the hobbits arrive at prancing pony a lot of them were on stilts you know the extras of the effect (laughs) they they apparently had techniques whereby they would use a double of the actor and then superimpose, you know, in other words, they would find a body double of a smaller size yeah. and they would superimpose yeah. the actual face on. And other times they, they just did it in green screen. Mm. But never once does it look weird. You know what I mean? It, it just looks like it kind of works, for me anyway. It, it doesn't yeah. Yeah. jar. I mean, you're looking at John Reese davies who's Gimli, the dwarf, He's the tallest actor for this film, and he, he's playing a he's playing a dwarf. So I presume he was superimposed. To be honest, when you think about it, it's quite easily. I've I've done superimposing in like Photoshop, for example. When I've I've tried to represent my team at work, I've put them as the Three Musketeers and sort of stitched their their faces on on the Three Musketeers' bodies. So I guess it's exactly the same with what software they're using uh, yeah. for the film. So. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And like you talk about Hobbiton, as as it was called, the Hobbit's Village, that was built a year before production because Jackson wanted it to be felt like it had been there a while to the Mm. point where even like the vegetable patches and what have you, everything that was put in was was left there uh, for a year, which I thought was just really, really, really interesting. This was a groundbreaking film. There were so many other directors that didn't touch this film because they didn't think it was filmable. They didn't think it was possible to turn his book into a film. So I just think what Peter Jackson has done is amazing. And and in actual fact, when and I did never thought this would happen, when this finished, I just wanted to watch the next one straight away. Um, I I, I kind of liked it that much. They rolled these, as I said, they rolled them out year after year. They, I think they lived or stayed in in New Zealand to to, to produce all these. Uh, so, I mean, obviously there'll, there'll be some people like Kate Blanchett that probably went home to to Australia or whatever. But uh, I think most of them because they they've got a really tight bond. I saw a picture on Facebook the other day that was connected to the Empire magazine, and they showed the picture of the cast back in the day, and they show them now as well. And they've done that with other movies as well. But it was really interesting just to see well, what they look like today. This was a 16-month shoot, which is for which is a 
Very, very long shoot mm. for a film, mm. isn't it? The, the second two were filmed back to back, but this was yeah. filmed in isolation. And such was the camaraderie amongst the the fellowship. There was nine of them in total, and each of them got a tattoo with the elfish, which was a nine, yeah. which is the elfish symbol. And apparently Peter Jackson <laughs> got one as well, but because he wasn't one of the nine, his was 10. But if you're out on a film set that long in New Zealand, you know, you're almost living a life out there, aren't you? I mean, so yeah. they, they must, it must almost just kind of feel like a family yeah. to a degree. Well, I wonder, I wonder who was the leader of that, who decided, oh, let's go and get a tattoo. Who, who, and then the others just, black. there must be somebody that was the leader of that group. I don't know who started it all off. You can imagine um, Sean Austin being a bit cheeky and, and maybe... Uh, maybe, be, um, yeah, like the younger ones, you mean. Yeah, Vigo <laughs> as well. I think he's, I don't know whether he's got other tattoos or, or anything, but he's a kind of bit more rugged, isn't he, looking? What is interesting, like, if you, you can dive into this, obviously it goes on and on yeah. and on. But in, if you look in the trivia in IMDb, as we often do, there's even apparently times when their Lord of the Ring tattoo has been glimpsed in other films they've oh, right. been in. Like, apparently Orlando <laughs> Bloom's. Was, was visible in a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. Oh, like, wow. These people who properly nerd out on all this kind of stuff. But yeah, as I say, I, I could go on forever and ever, but I, I just, yeah, I just loved it. I just really it's loved just, it. It's got a bit of everything in it. Um, But as I said, for me, it's just a little bit long. That's my only thing. So I'm going to be really, really tough here. I'm either going to give it a nine or a nine and a half. I can't give it a ten because there's some parts where I think, oh, come on, get on with it. Kind of scenario. <laughs> but I know there's someone so much gone into this and, you know, well done, Peter Jackson, for that. And all his production, his, his whole team. I'm going to give it nine out of ten. That's fair enough, you know. Yeah, what are you um, going to give it? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? I've probably given it all away. It's definitely a 10. Yeah. <laughs> this is your first 10 for ages. Yeah, it might, it might well be. It might, I know. Wow. It's probably been a while. I didn't think it would be. Um, so I was actually quite pleased about that. <laughs> I'm always very pleased when a film su- cool. surprises me. So that was great. I remember having a, a house party. My parents went away and I had a house party. And um, we all dressed up as hobbits. <laughs> Did you really? What about what? Majority of us dressed. It was a Lord of the Rings party, but majority of us were hobbits. What about the feet? Did you you find kind of fake hobbit feet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Um, (laughs) I can't remember where it came from, however. You probably can find it on on most online stores. I actually forgot to say in my synopsis, as you pointed out, I didn't mention Sean Bean, but obviously Borom, Boromir, isn't it? Or uh, Boromir. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a key character. He's, he's one of the fellowships, so he's I didn't mention great him. great actor. Great actor he as really, well. Yeah, he really is. He really is. And he's, yeah, he's involved in quite a kind of poignant moment in the film as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, there you go. That sets well, me... Well done, let, 10. Let's, let's Brilliant. Move, let's move on. So from Lord of Renfield. the Rings to Renfield... <laughs> I'm curious what you're going to give this, actually, anyway. I'm curious it's... what you're going to give it. <laughs> so it's Easter break. We've reviewed previously some 12A films, and now we thought, you know, we need something a bit more adulty. 15 to 18 film. This is a 15, by the way, but however, it's very gory. And I had to even look down on occasions as I munched my cheesy nachos during this film. <laughs> and I think I was the only one, you know, when you're eating something at the cinema, and you think you're making the loudest noise. I probably was. You were sat next to me, Rob. Was I the noisiest person in that cinema? 
I know. I thought you were pretty good. All I right. Mean, you look I, like you I had kept like... stopping when there was a pause, but it was it was quite quiet in the cinema. I thought, and I was like, oh, crunch, "Well, crunch, that's crunch. so funny you said that because I was <laughs> I had a packet of Revels, other chocolates are available um, during the trailers, and I was I I got a Malteser one, and and I just was taking a bite <laughs> of it. And there was this like real quiet. It always happens, doesn't it? There's so there's a noise in the film where there's or whatever you're watching, suddenly goes quiet. Yeah, I know, you're like I know. in your head, it probably mm, like you're really noisy. It probably feels like everyone's heard, but it's probably not the case at all. Damn that! Damn that woman that's uh, eating those nachos and and ruining all the uh, the audio in the cinema. Anyway, um, so Renfield recently released at the cinema, as we've mentioned, and um, I was presently surprised that the cinema was packed it was full the cinema that we went to see this in um it's a comedy fantasy and horror and it kind of very much lives up to each of those and it stars nicholas cage uh, who plays dracula got nicholas holt uh plays renfield and you've got aquafina plays um who's, who's rebecca in the film renfield is a servant to dracula and he's been has been for many centuries he's a very pasty looking man uh, today when he walks around and then he when he eats an insect he gains his superpowers and can sort of fend off anyone and and you know do kung fu and punch people and they go flying for miles um but in the current world renfield's job is to keep finding people for dracula to suck their blood however he meets um policewoman rebecca who praises Renfield for helping her with a gang crime one day. He enjoys the thanks and is is already part of this relationship counselling group anyway, which he then decides he needs to power up. They call it power up in the film and get rid of his toxic relationship with Dracula. At the same time, Rebecca is trying to do her bit in the community. She's a, she's a cop, a policewoman, uh, and trying to bring down this, this uh, gang that are selling drugs, and which Renfield supports her with. There's lots of consequences that come with these different paths, and I'll leave it as that. But, Rob, what did you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just <laughs> didn't know what to make of this film. I mean, I do like Nicolas Cage when he's, you know, his goofy best, and I really like Nicholas Holt as an actor. So I was kind of excited at the premise of this and these two. It seemed quite kind of curious. I love the setup actually. I like the beginning of the film when we kind of almost see Renfield and Dracula through the ages you know so it kind of starts off in grainy black and white you know obviously it's a homage back to some of those early Dracula films and I suppose I thought it was just a really fun concept like you say toxic relation he's in a toxic relationship because he's got to find people to feed Dracula it's like it's, <laughs> it's like this crisis he's got and how, so, how can I just say something yeah. what confuses me is how can Dracula drink all that blood and not explode because there's a lot of blood in this film you see all those those you know, what are they called in hospitals were full of blood drips bags yeah the drips yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like there's loads of them and he's dr- <laughs> drunk it dry and you're thinking well i love i love well, how how I'm, is how I'm, does he look so like he does i mean i love the way Sarah, you do this you do this quite a lot though. it's fantastic <laughs> You start to find one thing about a film like this, which is ridiculous <laughs> on so many levels. 
<laughs> and you're like, yeah, but what about? Yeah, but he what should about have exploded. This? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how does he drink all that blood? Surely he would explode. <laughs> I mean, you see exploding body parts of blood throughout the it entire It doesn't make thing. sense, bro. It doesn't <laughs> make sense. I know exactly. That's exactly it. This just doesn't, doesn't make sense. But neither oh does the God. whole film. But that carry on, go on. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was I was hoping it would be better than it was. I, I kind of felt it was a really neat concept there. And, you know, there were loads of great set pieces. There was... Maybe it's just a lack of chemistry between some of the actors that maybe should have been there. Um, maybe the film had its moments, but in other parts just seemed a bit patchy and kind of lost me a bit. I know it's supposed to be kind of a comedy and it's supposed to be a bit of a horror and it's supposed to be a bit of a whatever kind of an action. I, it was just like a melting pot of lots of different things. And I felt like maybe because of that, or as I say, maybe it was just the writing, there were bits I liked, but during the bits I didn't like, it lost me. And it, but it was losing me more and more and more as the film went on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my tolerance waned, oh. let's just say, once I got past the halfway mark. What I think is, and I think I said this after the film, in my opinion, I think the production studio wanted a well-being movie with a twist. The film has actually made me jump on a peloton the next day. I had a wellness boost after watching this film. That is Not that that I'm in a toxic relationship. I'm not in a toxic relationship or anything like that. It's just, it's, I don't know what it was. It was just like, (laughs) like, I'm going to power up. That's got to be the best review of Renfield. It made me want to get on my Peloton. (laughs) There are other bikes as well that you can jump on as well. My exercise bike the next day. You know, I mean, to be honest, who knows? That might have been where it started. Hey, we've got this great idea. It's this well-being movie, but the twist is... It's kind of about Dracula as well. I know. I mean, who knows? And they went, sold. It's a well-being movie. Yeah. You need more well-being. Yeah. But do, do you know what I mean? I can't really, I'm trying to explain. I can't really explain it. There were bits that were kind of just fun, but I just it just lost me. It's almost like I was clinging on to the hope that it would all gel and work, and I slowly realised it never really was. And so it's almost like I gave it the benefit of the doubt for quite a long time. But then when I knew it wasn't really going to deliver on what I was hoping, I just I just ran out of steam with it yeah. a bit. I felt the quality of the film was, it was kind of like an indie film, really, for me. If you were watching it on telly, I feel it was in TV, TV mode, not cinematic mode. It was almost like lacking a filter for me. It was goofy. Nicholas Holt is, is I think he's the new Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant oh, he? no. He's definitely, That's sounds so... just like him. No, you're absolutely like right. I've completely forgot about this. You're absolutely right. Massively distracting. He was just trying to be Hugh Grant. I actually thought, has he <laughs> has he watched Love Actually or something or watched Hugh Grant decided, this? I'm going to put a bit of Hugh Grant in this because I couldn't, that's all I could think about, to be honest, when he was on screen most of the time. Clearly, he's taken a leaf out of yeah. Hugh Grant's book for that performance. Yeah, def- definitely. And I don't think it quite worked because all, all it makes you think of is, oh, there's Nicholas Holt doing a bit of Hugh Grant. Yeah, he was. He's a young Hugh Grant, and but I did see glimmers of of hot fuzz with a bit of gore there. John Wick with with even more gore, and Blade with even more gore, and it's uh, it's cheesiness in correlation to the, to, to the police force with with hot fuzz for me. I've got a question for you, right? I know they're not the same film, but just off the bat, 
Because mm. it's kind of a blend of horror and comedy. Which did you prefer, Violent Night or Renfield? Ooh. I think I think I preferred... Oh, I don't know. But no, I think I prefer Renfield. Maybe it gave if, me that maybe, boost. Maybe if Renfield was a straight-to-streaming kind of movie, that would be more its home. Yeah. Do you know what? Comparison, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. I think that was better than Renfield. <laughs> Not a comparison, but... I enjoyed watching the Super Mario Brothers movie to to Renfield. I think it it's got, doing well and it's got great reviews in IMDb. It's like seven point four on IMDb. It's doing well. So I think it's one of those bit like everything, everywhere, all at once. In, in a I way, I agree. I think, I think I it's exactly like what that. I was thinking. It's a bit mm. like as you know, Empire scored it well, and sometimes when you see lots of publishers giving it consistently decent scores yeah you, you kind of think well it's gonna be pretty good but not but so i yeah but i just didn't agree with them this film comes from the director uh, who was the editor and the producer of the lego movie and the batman lego movie as well and you can kind of see you know when they have that cheeky sort of adult sarcasm humor that we would get but the kids are like not oblivious to it I saw a bit of that coming through in this film, this adult movie. He's gone from a kid's film to a an adult film. Yeah. With a bit of sarcasm and... But I thought that was funny. That. I thought the Lego movie was, was funnier <laughs> than this, personally. <laughs> well, go on then. What are you going to give it? Um, I'm going to give it six and a half. I really didn't think I was going to score it like this. I thought it was going to be so much better. But anyway, it's only a personal thing. But for me, didn't, this didn't resonate, didn't quite work for me. Six and a half. So... I think I'm going to give it seven out of ten. Really, it's based on the wellness that worked for me. So that's the that's the extra mark for me. So um, yeah, it's one to watch. It's different, but yes, watch out for for the new Who Grant in the making here. Yeah, yeah. But Nicholas Holt's been around for ages. I just don't mm. think there's an excuse for nicking Hugh Grant's accent for the film. <laughs> um, there's a lot a lot of. Hugh Grant stuff I'm not happy about, especially after Fortune, Ruse de Guerre as well. Him him stealing his own accent for another film. Oh, Hugh. Right. Anyway, sorry, I'm digressing. Well, maybe maybe because they did the film together when he was younger. He's taught him quite a few things, Hugh Grant, and uh, to to Nicholas Holt. What film did they act in together? They were in Battle Boy, weren't they, together? Of course they were. There's a great connection. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah, I think maybe he, you're right. I think he's, maybe he's a mentor to him. You never know. Yeah. So that's that. So whose turn is it? I did Lord of the Rings. Oh. So it's you. It's just one it's of me. Yours. Yeah, go on then. What are you going to pick? Which genre? Okay. We haven't had action this time around. Okay. I have to say some of my actions are a little guilty pleasures, to be honest. That's all right. But I have up to 39 Thirty-nine. I'm going to go for number thirty. Number thirty. I've got the Matrix. The Matrix. Okay. The Matrix. Yeah. I know you're not a huge fan of the Matrix, though, either. Are you? No. I mean, I no. I remember seeing the first one at the cinema. Really liked it. Okay. I. All right. No, I'm all for this. Um, okay. Right. So I've got the blurb. Here we go. 1999. Action sci-fi. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is an elaborate description of an evil cyber intelligence. And, yeah, if anybody doesn't know, this stars Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Uh, And we've got Lawrence Fishburne and Carrie Ann Ross and Hugo Weaving amongst Uh 
And it's uh, streaming currently on Sky and now Cinema, but you can rent or buy from all other on-demand platforms. But you may also already have it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, because it's been out for quite a while now. Absolutely. It's a bit of a classic. 1999. Okay, so new film. We were looking around to see what's on at cinema. There's nothing huge that kind of is really floats our boat. We would say kind of relatively average film. So we looked around on streaming and we found a film called Ghosted, which is a action adventure and, of course, a bit of comedy, which mm-hmm. stars Chris Evans. I haven't seen much of him since Captain America. Anna de Armas and Adrian Brody. So we've got Cole falls head over heels for enigmatic Sadie, but then makes the shocking discovery that she's a secret agent. Before they can decide on a second date, Cole and Sadie are swept away on an international adventure to, guess what, save the world. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, expect a little bit of cheese. It looks like a bit bit of a a fun rom-com. And is it Amazon Prime? No, Apple TV Plus. Apple Apple TV Plus. Okay, good stuff. Good. Right, there we go then. Well, I've had my Sunday roast. I'm going to try and grab a little walk uh, before the light goes. What about you to close off the weekend? I might try and jump on the peloton. (laughs) Just before the end of the day. So, And then say goodnight to my, my little ones. Can I do some shout-outs? I know this is very radio-like. Shout-out to Juliet, who I bumped into, who I hadn't seen for years, bumped into her at an event, and she listens to this. And also, hello to Wendy as well, one of my Scottish rails, and she shared it with all my other Scottish rails. So, so, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Oh, Juliet and Wendy are amazing. That's all I can say. Uh, Right, well, um, have a lovely week. Well, it'll be two weeks before we're back. And yeah, I look forward to seeing Ghosted and The Matrix. Oh my God, another classic, The Matrix. Good stuff. Good. Take care. Right, see you Thanks, soon. Thanks, listeners. Bye. Bye.